Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Rungren Radio. Just hoping to have a little music there, but uh, we had a little problem here. <laughs> this is our first ever Rungren Radio show, where your host and co-host are together in the same room. How about that? Woo! Woo! <laughs> so hopefully the sound will be good. I'm starting the chat room now. Y'all can tell me if there's any issues. Tonight's special guest is Mo Berg from The Pursuit of Happiness. Of course, Todd produced two of their albums and had the hit, they had a hit with one of those albums, and that hit was I Am an Adult Now, which is a cool song. We'll be playing some of that later. Looks like we've got a busy chat room. If y'all have any audio problems, let me know, and we will fix them, or we'll change how we're doing things. So, But uh, really, Mel, you should probably say something so they can tell us. Ah, hey, welcome to another edition of Rundgren Radio.com. <laughs> How about that? All right, so... Here's the deal today. We'll be calling Mo in about five, ten minutes here. So we'll have him on. You're welcome to call in tonight at 646-716-9262 is the call-in number. We'll be glad for you to call in and ask Mo some questions. We'll be playing some of his music tonight. And we will be talking to him for a good while. But before we do that, we want to make some announcements, of course. One is the contest. Yes, the, uh, what'd you call it, the Battle of the Tides. That's right. Yeah, I hope everyone got out there and voted, and by the way, I know y'all didn't, because there weren't nearly as many votes cast as the people that we know listen in here. Yeah. So tisk tisk, if you want your person to win, you gotta vote. And the location to go vote from here on, by the way, is www, no, it's not www. Rundgren HTTP Yeah, HTTP yeah. colon slash slash Rundgrenradio dot blogspot dot com And are you going to do the rundown, Doug? Well, we have somebody that was eliminated Wah, 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 wah <laughs> And that is Cruiser Mail Who? So sorry, Roger mm. What was his song? Living? Mm-hmm Darn, that was a good one. Mm-hmm. People, you got to vote if you want your candidate to win. Yep. What are you going to do? <laughs> so what happens is now we have eliminated the song Living. There are three left. The new poll will be up soon. Yes. Which will have just those three, and you can vote for Dustin 29 song, Another Life, from Utopia's Another Life. You can vote for Darnell's Choice, which is Panic, from Arena, or... Veggie Girls, Courage, from Arena. Arena. Which, by the way, Arena, oh, Cruise Mail, I'm going to let you check because Lynn's calling you. Maybe she has some scoop for us. Okay, all Just right. Moment, please. Okay, uh, I forgot what he was getting ready to talk about. Oh, oh, the big news is, is apparently um, the... The Arena album apparently is available on iTunes, according to 
Lynn with the MySpace thing. We haven't checked it yet uh, to know whether it's definitely there, but he's talking to Lynn right now trying to get the scoop. So, uh, Doug. Oh. Oh, iTunes. We do have Arena available on iTunes if you haven't downloaded it and want to. You can now get it on iTunes. How cool is that? In America? That's correct. Okay, also in the U.K. So there you go. We have U.K. listeners, of course. Mm-hmm. All right, so I'm trying to find these uh, Battle of the Todd clips. Do you know where we put this? <laughs> I can't see it. Uh, we're not doing good. Sorry, guys. Y'all have to understand. We we uh, it's been a crazy day. <laughs> All right. So if you don't know, we went to the Knoxville show last night. A really good show. We're talking full arena, Chasm Sultan edition. Of course, that's our first time to see him with the group, and it was really makes a difference. Good sound. Great venue for acoustics. It really sounded good. Crowd was lighter than I'd like to see, but the folks that were there were getting into it, and we had a good time. It was good to see our buddy Gio Bruno and his family, his wife and son, were there. They had a warm-up band called Freeman, which was really uh, a good act for opening for Todd. Oh, he was. He really was good. And everyone seemed to really like him, and he sold a bunch of CDs. Yeah, he had CDs for sale. So it's John Freeman's. His name, his band is called... Paul. Paul, is it? Paul, yeah. Paul, John, you know what I mean. (laughs) Okay, so anyway, we're kind of out of it. It was a wild, crazy night, lots of fun. Got to talk to the band. Rachel, you know, still playing cute. She's got this new thing where she, I don't know if it's new, but I hadn't really noticed it before, where she pushes her shoulders forward one at a time, back and forth a little bit. And kind of, she does, and she kind of marches a little bit. (laughs) Yeah, and there was another song. Of course, couldn't I just tell you, they they do the feet dance and they come out, but there was another one last night where they came towards, (coughs) excuse me, they came towards the stage. Do you remember which one it was? To the front, of, all four of them came out to the front of the stage. Yeah. Oh no, because we were. I don't know. It wasn't the end of the show. Mm-mm. It was sometime um, in the middle. Yeah. So they came out, and uh, you know, same set list that you're used to. No changes, but a really great show. I just tell you, I don't, I don't know what it is. There's just something about being there for those shows. I really love it. I have such a good time. And, of course, it's the music, really. Once that gets started, it's so good. I absolutely love it. I just really would love to go to Asheville Wednesday night. If you're anywhere near there, I recommend that you do because it is a great show, and they need some help for that one. I don't think a lot of people have signed up for that one. It's in the middle of the week. You know, it's in a smaller town, that kind of thing. You need to represent the South. Go check that show out. Mm, yeah. Yeah. I wish. Yeah. I wish. We got to see Kathy last night at the merch. She was doing a raffle, lots of good stuff that she was raffling off. You can still get raffle tickets from her for some of the other shows, I believe. Well, the last show. And that uh, you would go check out her website on MySpace. It's TR Merch Girls, MySpace.com, TR Merch Girls, back there, um, forward slash TR Merch Girls. And you can buy, what is it, uh, two for 10, five for 20? I think so, yeah. Just make a PayPal payment to. Todd girl at AOL.com. Yeah, she had some neat things there, and uh, I got to. Did you see you? You got yourself one of those glow in the dark shirts, right? I did. Pretty cool looking. We haven't tried it out yet, though, or did you? To see I have not glow. checked it out. No, I heard it does though. It's <laughs> a it's a 
uh, Todd's face, uh, a drawing that Prairie did, and it says, open my eyes, and it kind of looks like his eyes are opening and closing. It's kind of weird. And then on the back it has Arena, Todd Rundgren. It's long sleeve. They've been selling out pretty much every night at the shows. It's pretty cool. I think you'd like it. So mm-hmm. if you get to go to a show, you get to see it. If not, maybe we can post a picture somewhere. Who knows? <laughs> As you glow in the dark. Yes. Or maybe I can show you one today. We're going to try to do a little webcam action here in a little while. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> we're waiting on something to happen first, and if it does, we'll do webcam. Y'all get to see us doing this show, our first ever show together. And we, we look pretty rough, I'll tell you that. Yeah, ignore the hangover looks. So. Oh, oh, can I can I make just a call out to my girls out there? Sure. My little chasm heads out there. Um, FYI, chasm was clean shaven last night. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's important to some people. Sure. Me, actually. <laughs> Anybody else? <laughs> Probably not. I don't care. I just I like don't. to hear myself say it. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, everybody, the addition of Chasm's background vocals is, it, oh, it's wonderful. It really rounds out the sound. And um, pretty good chemistry on the stage. I I, I don't know. I, I kept kind of watching to see if he was second-guessing any of Rachel's moves, and he wasn't at all. So, uh, <laughs> of course, he was a little busy trying to still play his own, you know, stuff on the keyboards and whatnot. Yeah, he was on the right side of the stage. Uh, the keyboards were facing the drum set, and he would every now and then come out with the. He has this really sharp silver guitar. It's very big, actually, and uh, you know, come out to the front and play it, or he'll be at the keyboard. So, a lot of fun, good stuff. And one thing though that we did notice about the venue was that it was a camera Nazi place, oh. and apparently. I guess that's on Todd because they they don't um they they let you have cameras if the band says it's okay, but they were instructed not to do that. So I don't know why that is, but it is what it is. They wouldn't I mean, it wasn't just a flash photography thing. They didn't want you taking any pictures with your cell phone. It was very very strange and disheartening. Yeah. I, I it made me mad. We didn't like it. No. No. We didn't like that one bit. But now we know why there's not a whole lot of pictures that have been posted uh, on the TR Connection and whatnot. Well, and here's the deal. Todd had on his bullet shirt, which I know <laughs> I know everybody's already seen that a million times. Anyway, how many pictures do you need of Todd with the bullet or bullseye shirt? Excuse me. Casim had on a black shirt. Rachel had on a black little dress, <laughs> black hose, black shoes, boots. Mm-hmm. What else we got? Prairie. Uh, I don't even remember what Prairie and Jesse had. A Prairie had something wild on, of course. So but I think it was black on top, though. Uh, could be, could be. Yeah. Very good stuff. Fun show. Highly recommend it. Check it out, and you will enjoy it. All right. So Battle of the Tods again. Are you got to go to the blog site and you got to go vote, and you have a choice with um, Dustin Twenty Nine. Another life. You have Darnell's Panic, and you have Courage from the Vegetable Veggie Girl. All right, so that's all we got for that. Yeah, and and that poll will be updated uh, probably after the show tonight. Tonight? Yeah, if you'll let me do it on your computer. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's take a quick break. 
All right. Hey, everybody. Todd Rundgren's new album, Arena, is out. If you can't find it at your local record store, click on Rundgren Radio's little picture of Arena, and you'll be taken to Amazon.com where you can buy it, and it'll get to you in a couple of days. Be sure to check out Todd's tour happening now. Strike while iron top. Thanks for listening to RundgrenRadio.com. There it is. You've got to get Arena. It's available on iTunes now. We did not know that when we made that little clip for you there. So that is cool. And Wendy from Wendy's One World wants to know if there's any changes in the set list. That is uh, no answer. There was no change. Negatory. Couldn't I just tell you, and just one victory, round out the show. And, of course, the let's see, they start with uh, a little love in action. Well, when the walls came down. Open my eyes, I saw the light, Black Mariah. Yeah, you know, I saw the light. Got that? I think that was the first time I saw some people in the crowd actually stand up. They really, really liked that. <laughs> it was, it was a, you know, it was one of those seated venues, so it was hard to, you know, stand up. And plus, with the camera Nazis there, we thought we were all going to get shot if we stood up. Yeah, now keep in mind those camera Nazis—they were just doing their job. But here was the interesting thing about it: you couldn't even do a, a. Uh, cell phone camera if you held it up they could see you they would come over and, and tell you to quit i mean they allowed zero very bizarre but again hey we got plenty of pictures just go to trconnection.com you can find them speaking of tr connection mm-hmm. somebody was nice enough in the what's what's it called mountain eagle mountain something oh, a newspaper in Asheville. Times. mountain times in Asheville mentioned runger radio interviewing todd and todd had some nice things to say about the show so we were very pleased about that if you haven't seen that I think Dustin, Dustin out there, will you put the link for that interview on the chat room? That would be really cool. And we would love to. I think Keiko actually found it first, so. Yes. Um, Yes, she did. All right. There we are. Huh? Check us out. Dude! Little webcam action. (laughs) (laughs) Ew, that's kind of creepy. Okay. Tonight's program, see if this works, is sponsored by. ChasmStore.com. Okay, not really. We're just doing them a favor because we love them. Carrie is running the show there from Groupie Gear. Good stuff. Hey, Po Boy, what's up? All right, so Allie, I need to, I need to get some Propecia. I got a little spot right here. You know, losing some hair, getting old. All right, so we're gonna play you a song right now, and then we're gonna call Moberg because we're already running a little bit behind. We got to get him on the phone. And this song is. Todd's guest appearance on guitar on a song called Love Theme of TPOH. So I'm going to try to get that going here in a second. And then we will play that for a while. And then we will call Mo. And we'll be right back. So here we go. Hold on.
rubbing on guitar. Is that right, Mo? That's right, yep. Good stuff. So tell me a little bit about that song. That when song. you guys did that one. I'm what an ill-advised song. It's, you know what's funny about that song is um, a couple of things. One, I, I just bought, like I just got a Tecano record that Todd had produced, um, and it had all kinds of like instrumental stuff on it, and I was really getting off on the instrumental stuff that was on there. So I should write a couple of instrumentals for our next record. But, but you know, they didn't sound anything like the Tecano instrumentals. And then, and then we were looking for some way to get Todd involved in the record, and so we asked him if he'd play a solo on, on that song. And so the Todd solo on that song is kind of the coolest thing about the song. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like not really that cool song. If you really listen closely, it has a sort of uncanny resemblance to um, Bitch School by Spinal Tap. Ah. Not, not something I'm like wildly proud of. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> and so I've actually, like on my DJ gig, I have a DJ gig that I do here in Toronto every Saturday night, and every once in a while I'll just kind of play them back to back. But I try never to play Pursuit of Happiness stuff, but... And it's funny because a lot of people, I just think of it's kind of like a really stupid song. But a bunch of people really seem to like it. I don't know why. Maybe it's because it's Kitch Valley or something. Or maybe it's just because Todd plays on it. Is he playing uh, a solo on that? Or is he yeah, playing he plays lead? the first solo that's just like the, that really crazy maniac solo that's completely from outer space. The very first one that happened. <laughs> you know, Todd's got one of the songs on his new album. He says it's, it's got a, a lot of spinal tap. His bass kind of on Spinal Tap is influenced by them. Right. So they get around for a, you know, for a fake band, they got some pretty good stuff, I guess. Well, yeah, well, that's the thing. Maybe now it's cool to sound like Spinal Tap. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe my timing was just all off. Yeah. Well, the more shows I go to, the more I get to, every now and then I get the privilege of hanging around some backstage or whatever, meeting people outside and all that good stuff, the more Spinal Tap I see and how real it really can be. <laughs> oh, it's it could not be more real. It's the greatest movie that's ever been made about rock and roll because it's, it's so accurate and so accurately portrays what goes on on the road Absolutely. and in and in the music business and in making records everything it was it's dead on yeah so this place where you're djing i understand that's owned by the drummer for tpoh is that right no he's just the governor he just he runs the place he doesn't own it no he doesn't own it okay you don't have any ownership in it either right no 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 i, yeah. just, I barely own anything there were rumors about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, there's rumors in Toronto. Like, a lot of people here think I own it, but I don't know where that ever came from. Ah, uh, you know. Yeah. Might as well say, sure. So do you still have long hair? Well, I guess. I mean, long, relatively, yeah. It's not like like down my back long, but yeah, it's it's relatively long. Longish for a boy, I guess. <laughs> All right. Looks cool for the DJ thing. That's at the tap, right? Yeah. Okay, very nice. So you don't play any, you try not to play too much TPOH, you play any Todd? Yeah, I'll play Todd, I'll play Todd occasionally. It's like, I play a lot of, it's like, I play a lot of, like, alternative rock and a lot of rock and a lot of power pop. I play a lot of stuff that Todd produced, that's for sure, because he produced a lot of great power pop stuff. And then I'll play, like, later on in the evening, I'll play something like, like some of the more old ballad kind of stuff, like, like, We Gotta Get You a Woman or something like that. And, um, or, you know, I Saw the Light or... Mm. So I, yeah, I mean, every once in a while. I mean, the last the last one I did, I played Courage off the new record. Oh, good man, yeah. very good. It's such a great song. I mean, that's probably one of the best songs I've heard from Todd, and I can't remember. Oh, so you have the album? I take it. I haven't got the whole album. I have that. So- I had that song. I got. I, I, I kept. I went to a couple of record stores yesterday to try and track it down. I couldn't, so I think I'm just gonna buy it online. Yeah, they just finally got it on iTunes. I believe it was today. It may have been yesterday, but. Yeah. Or yeah. you can order it from Amazon.com. 
Yeah, I'll probably order the the real thing, the hard copy. And yeah, it's more fun. It's got all the lyrics in it and yeah. some other good stuff, of course, and pictures and whatnot. But right. I don't know what took so long to get it where you could download it, but it's really great. Courage is one of the more popular songs on there. Yeah. It may end up being the most popular. I don't know. It's a pretty great song. I mean, it sounds a lot like a like a pre-nearly human kind of song. You know? Right. Right. Yeah. Very good. Yep. So I got... Uh, there's another one there called Weakness that's kind of like that as well. A little more, I don't know, I don't want to know how to describe I don't want to say pop, but a little softer, I guess, you know, type song like that. And then there's right. some really hardcore ones like Mercenary, which is a song I really like. And based on, you know, what I've heard from you guys, I think you'll like that song a lot as well. It's yeah, I've, uh, I mean, I, I, I pre, I've listened to some of the stuff that he had up on his MySpace. Mm-hmm. So I'm sort of, and I'm I'm very I'm very excited about the concept of the record, sort of like a, a Todd Rengren rock record. I think it's a pretty good idea for him. Yeah. Do you guys keep up with each other still? Well, I wouldn't say that. I mean, you know, I think I have enough sort of reverence for Todd that I try not to bug him. <laughs> so um, I um, when he was here, he the the band came to play in Toronto, and um, so I went down to see him. And I went backstage and hung out with him backstage for a while, and then uh, then he was he had the day off here before he had to head. I think they were going like it was really weird rooting where he was going to Atlanta from Toronto, so he had the day off, and so me and him went out and had a beer and hung out for a while. So it's kind of that. Like if he's in Toronto, I'd certainly you know want to hook up with him and talk and hang out and stuff. But I you know I try not to bug him on a daily basis. <laughs> That's one of the places he hasn't been. Well, last year, but I don't think he's been to Canada. Has it been this year? Did you say it was this year? Um, well, no, this was last year. He last did a year. whole Canadian tour. It was right. just, it was a specific Canadian tour, which I don't know that he's done for like, I don't know, probably like 10, 15 years, where he actually went from sort of almost like coast to coast. And um, that was the band that was with, it was Jesse, and then he had, um, oh, who else was playing with him? Was that Jerry, Jerry Murata? Jerry Murata. Tony Levin? And, and Tony Levin. That was the band, yeah. yeah. Excellent. So, yeah, it was pretty great. It was a pretty great show and a great band. And, and, uh, and Todd had told me that was the best best the band had played was at that show but it was cool because some of my friends from like out west out in western canada you know todd never comes out there and they all got to go see him play so it was kind of special for i mean i think like a place like edmonton or something like that i think a lot of time todd had been there was he was on the oops wrong planet tour utopia was there opening for blue oyster cult so i mean that's like 1978 or whatever yeah those tours like that where he was playing with the the band is what Part of the reason he decided to go with this arena, it was so popular, was people, you know, like that type of music and those shows, and he was enjoying himself so much. So, but let's move back to the pursuit of happiness. Y'all had a CD that's only been about three years that came out with your best of called When We Ruled. That's right. Yeah. What was um, did, did the record company approach you about that? Was that you guys' ideas? How did that work out? Well, it was, kind of, it was a little. It was sort of like, I mean, we we'd had a best of that came out in a, in the in the states. But we didn't have one that had come out in Canada, and I was sort of thinking, you know, every crappy band in Canada has got a best of out there, and how come we don't? And, um, and so I sort of had sort of mentioned to my manager, and so he contacted the record company here in Canada, had put out a bunch of the Pursuit Happiness stuff, and so they were like, yeah, we'll do that. Mm-hmm. And they said, why well, even record a couple of new tracks? And so we recorded a couple of new tracks, and then we had the idea to get some people that we that we knew to write some liner notes. And so Todd wrote a really amazing thing. In the in the liner notes for us and um, yeah so it was kind of fun to to get that out and get a couple of 
some of the rare stuff out. Like we had recorded a couple of extra tracks for the original in the original sessions we did with Todd for Love Junk that never had been released, so we put those on it. And yeah, there were uh, Let My People Go and Take You With Me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah those are good. Yeah. We're hoping to play some of that a little later, later on. Yeah, Todd didn't like Take Me With You. He thought it was, it made him kind of, he thought it was kind of gross. <laughs> he didn't like it? He made fun of me like constantly when I was singing, doing the vocal because he just thought the lyrics were so stupid. He doesn't have, like, a very high tolerance for lyrics that he doesn't think are... <laughs> you think? Yeah. 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 I mean, most of the people I've talked to about, you know, about working with him, it's like that's been kind of the big deal for him. It's like if your lyrics are dumb, he just can't deal with you. And so that's the thing. You usually, usually end up working more on your lyrics than you do on your music when you get produced by Todd. <laughs> I think we've heard that before. Yeah, gee, I, I wonder where... I know, like, Bourgeois, that yeah. was like, their experience, and yeah. the other people. We, I, um, um, Jill Sobel was one of the only people who sort of escaped that, because Todd really liked her lyrics, and so she got she got kind of a pass, but I think a lot of other bands had really really had their lyrics worked on a lot by Todd. Uh, Mo, uh, why don't you tell a story about how you guys ever got hooked up with Todd in the first place, because uh, I believe he produced your debut album right yeah and then he did the second one too our sophomore release so he, yeah he did our first two records so he um well you know it's just one of those things where we got you know a big american record deal and and our record company said you know who do you want to produce your record so i mean i grew up you know as a huge todd Rungman fan and big fan of him as an artist and, and as a producer and so i was like you know i just said hey how about todd Rungren? you know i just started threw it out there not thinking that would ever happen you know, when we had like a gigantic B list of other people that we figured would be the ones that we'd probably end up working with. And then, like literally, we were on the road when this was happening, and then I was in this town in, in Canada called Winnipeg, um, and uh, it's just sort of north of Minneapolis. And um, and all of a sudden, the guy at the bar said, hey, there's a phone call from Moberg, and someone got the phone, and it's like, hello, and it's like, hey, it's Todd Rungren speaking. And so he just kind of called me out of the blue. And he, I guess they sent the record company had sent the demos over to Todd, and so Todd called me to already start talking about you know the songs and what he liked about them, what he didn't like about them, and you know how terrible the guitar player was. He said, "Who's the guitar player?" I said, "I'm the guitar player." <laughs> <laughs> he said, "Well, you're going to need to hit the woodshed," <laughs> and stuff like that. So it was just a surreal moment where all of a sudden, you know, my childhood hero had me on the phone talking about making a record. <laughs> now you got about. A you know, a thousand musicians are going to be trying to do the same thing tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know he gets hit up for that a lot, I'm sure. You you guys were one of the few groups that I've noticed that actually had him twice. So yeah. it must have gone, you know, I know it went well as far as the success of the album, but I guess the experience and uh, dealing with the, the quirkiness and everything was not too much of a problem because you invited him back. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, a lot has been said about working with Todd. I think you have to be a certain kind of person to work with Todd. I mean, well, the thing that I liked about working with Todd, I mean, I just, per, I liked him personally. And then I was such a hero, I, was, I, I mean, I was such a fan of his. And he was such a hero of mine that, you know, that that was a big part of it. But it was also like, I liked the stuff, a lot of the stuff that people didn't like about him, like the stuff I did like. I liked his, his sarcasm. I liked the fact that it was like, there was no bullshit. It was, you know, he was straight up about everything. And he wasn't just sitting there trying to massage your ego. He was just saying what he thought. Right. I think that ended up helping me a lot as an artist and and as a future producer, and and um and as songwriter definitely. So I, I liked all that. I loved sitting up and having crazy discussions with them about you know politics or whatever. So you know m my experience was 
I didn't need to be treated coddled like a like a diva. I didn't need any of that. I needed to be shown the right path. So it, for me, the experience was fantastic. Excellent. He likes that talk about politics. Last night we were at a show in Knoxville, Tennessee, by the way, and <laughs> somehow I convinced Cruiser Mouth to yell. Oh. It was very quiet, and Todd was starting his pol- political talk, and she says, Todd for president. You know, the whole place could hear it. And he looked up, and he said, what did he say? What do you want me to be, miserable? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, I wouldn't take that job right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's always said that, that the politicians are a breed apart. They're not like us. And Yeah. Yeah, that's you know, I would agree with that myself. But um, I was looking through some old Nexus Utopia Times. Some people had sent me, and I saw a lot of pictures. Of you. These are from like '89 to '92, somewhere around in there. And yeah, you were hanging out a lot with some Todd fans and, and different things. What was going on back then? Was that when you guys were uh, being produced, or was that more when you were just being a fan, or what kind of things were you doing with that group? What, what happened is, what happened is, this, I mean, you know, I mean, I think you guys would probably be aware of it, but as soon as you know you get, you know, produced by Todd, that you all of a sudden have a bunch of built-in fans. Right. So that's what happened with us. It's like, you know, as soon as you know, people, our record came out, and people realized it was produced by Todd. We got a lot of sort of Todd Rungan fans as curiosity seekers to see if you know if we were any good, and so we we made a lot of fans that way just because they're. Todd fans who came out and, and decided they liked our album and liked our show and stuff. So yeah, we were always like, we were always the kind of band that liked meeting their fans, and we always had an open door dressing room. And so yeah, we ended up meeting a lot of people. And I ended up sort of you know becoming pals with some people. Just you know, you meet people and you kind of hit it off with them. So you know, and then and Murph was always great to us, who who um who did the Utopia Times. We we you know we just she was had always just been a very supportive of the band, and so we got a lot of. Inc. In, in the Utopia Times and stuff, and she was always great about, you know, sort of promoting us however she could. Sure. Yeah, this, I guess you could say then that the fans, the Todd fans, are just really very different than anything else that you may have experienced out there with some of the bands you've worked with and been in. Well, I, yeah, I mean, there's certain kinds of bands that have... There's, I mean, there are other bands that have it, too, and then there's bands that don't have any of it. Like, there's certain... There are certain bands that have these fans that become their fans for life, and they're you know the artist becomes a very important part of their life, and and um, you know so I think Todd, I mean clearly Todd has that he's had you know there's fans who've been devoted fans of his since you know he started, to still buy all the records and go to lots of shows, and and you know there's just certain kinds of artists inspire that kind of loyalty in their fans, and um, so yeah I mean Todd's definitely one of those one of those people who has those kinds of hardcore fans that, that have just been on the ride with him almost from the beginning. Yeah, well, you, speaking of, you know, descriptions of fans and whatnot, they, every time I look something up about you guys, they call you a college band. Do you like that reference, or is that kind of pigeonholing you a little bit? No, it doesn't bother me at all. I mean, I mean, that's kind of what we were. I mean, you know, we were kind of like a sort of an alt-rock band that, you know, also was like a power-pop band and had sort of rock affectations. And, you know, some of those things, it, you know, that, that, that was sort of what was good about us, and then for some people that was what was bad about us, you know. Mm-hmm. Like, people liked that, you know, we were kind of a breath of fresh air, that you couldn't really pigeonhole us what kind of thing we were. And then, you know, but then at certain points it's like, it's more important to be part of a club, you know. Like people want you to be something and spe- be something specific and be part of a movement, you know. So, you know, that's 
that happens to artists all the time. And I guess that's probably even happened to Todd sometimes. It's like, you know, is Todd grunge? If he's not grunge, then I don't like him, you know? So, yeah. <laughs> or, or is Todd, you know, whatever, you name whatever kind of. Yeah. Is it Ballad Todd or is it, you know, Rock so, Todd? Or... Yeah, it, so it's just, it's, but it's like, you know, it's just part of it is you're just just doing the music that inspires you. And so the the fact that we were a college band and the kids in college liked us was great for me because it's like, you know, they're young and they're, you know, a lot of times those people are sort of on the, uh, like sort of the case makers and stuff like that. And so that didn't bother me at all. I mean, we had a lot more of that in the States than we did in Canada. In Canada, I think, in some ways, we're a tiny bit more mainstream than, than we were. In Canada, we're a little bit more mainstream than we were probably in the States. But um, And then at other parts of the world, it was the same kind of thing. We were probably more considered an alt-rock alt band, like in, in Europe and stuff. Mm-hmm. So did you play... At colleges a lot, or, or is that name just because us to the people that listen to you? Are you more playing in different arenas, or did you go to a lot of fraternity parties and bars around you know college campuses? Well, we yeah we play sort of like the the you know the sort of dive in every town you know, or the alt rock kind of venue, and um, we didn't necessarily play a lot of university campuses, but we we got a lot of college radio airplay. That was kind of a lot of 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 our airplay was usually on college radio and. I mean, we got a lot of mainstream radio airplay too, but the stuff that we could usually count on was the college airplay. So it was kind of that. It had more to do with that. Like that's probably why Beavis and Butthead said it was college rock. Mm-hmm. That was probably one of our other claim to fame, so that we had got played on Beavis and Butthead. All right. How about your solo album? There was uh, your first one was in 1997. Summer's over. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. So what? Was that I haven't been able to hear it. Is it similar to TPOH or totally different? Um, it's a lot more lo-fi kind of thing. It's a lot more. It was it was very sort of self-indulgent. I'd call it my a wizard of truth star. <laughs> <laughs> so it was like, you know, it was just kind of like a bunch of random kind of things that were on there, and you know, some of them were songs, and some of them weren't quite songs, and you know, it was very whiny, depressing, you know. So, you know, it had its moments for sure, but it was like, yeah, it wasn't, I wouldn't call it like a Pursuit of Happiness record, you know. Mm-hmm. It didn't have the same kind of production values and sort of like big, you know, band kind of feel. There wasn't any sort of vocal harmonies. And Have you done some other solo work since then? Not really. That was kind of the end of my uh, my output as an artist. Yeah? Yeah. So then you, you shifted gears and been doing all kind of other stuff. What, what I know... I want to talk to you, of course, about some of the writing and reviews, etc. Is there some other things that you're doing now? You mentioned the DJ uh, deal at the TAP. Is there, what are some other things you're doing now? What well, the main talking? thing I do now is produce other bands. So that's my main job that I have. So I like produce bands mainly in Canada and stuff like that and, mm-hmm. and you know, write songs with people. But, yeah, mainly like producing and writing songs. That's the, my sort of my main job right now. So how do you find these bands that you produce? Do they come to you, or do you go look, seek them out at shows? Um, it's mainly people hear about me, you know, and then and then sort of approach me. That's the main reason. But I, you know, I keep my ear to the ground, and I know a lot of people. And you know, sometimes if I see a cool band, I'll, I'll, um, you know, I'll send a message to their MySpace and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. But yeah, a lot of it has just been kind of word of mouth and people knowing who I am and stuff. Very nice. So it's mainly, though, or pretty much all of it's just Canadian acts. Yeah, I worked with this guy, Andy Bopp, who's in this band, Miracle Bra, kind of a cool power pop band from Baltimore. 
and we worked on something for a solo record. Then it never <clears throat> ended up coming out, but then he used a lot of the songs for the most recent Miracle Bra record, but he had re-recorded them with my arrangements with no credit. But that's another story. <laughs> so what's it called again? It, his band's called Miracle Bra. They're a pretty cool band. They're like a real power pop band. <laughs> Miracle Bra? Miracle Bra, yeah. They're awesome. on Rainbow Courts. <laughs> oh yeah, they're, so they're, they're uh, yeah. yeah they, I bet Victoria's Secrets may be mad at them for using that name. They uh, they uh, they've uh, I'll, I'll spell it for you. It's M Y R A C L E and then Bras B R A H. So I think they cover themselves. Oh, I got you. I think Come a lot of the Todd fans would probably like like Miracle Bra. They kind of got you know some of the some of some Todd sensibilities. And Todd was definitely an influence on them. Yeah, we'll have to check them out. Miracle Bra, spelled different. It's kind of like McDonald's in the. Eddie Murphy movie, you remember that? Uh, yeah. Coming to America. <laughs> Excellent. All right, so producing for some bands in Canada, doing the DJ thing. Yeah. And then you've written a book already? Yeah, I wrote a book of short stories um, called The Green Room. Um, I've sort of been working on another book, but because of I'm in the studio and stuff most of the time and and had a kid. It just the book's been kind of on the back burner, so I'll hope to finish that again one day. It's kind of sort of a music business theme to it. So, mm-hmm. but um, now this book, The Green Room, was published by Gutter Press. That's right. Is that a is that name Gutter have anything to do with the kind of books that they put out, well, or is it just their know, name? I, I would you'd have to read it to find out. About <laughs> it's not a uh, Yeah, you're, you're definitely a true writer when you go that way. You got to read it. You know what's not, in it. not necessarily. It's just, I mean, it's <laughs> kind of urban stories. I mean, it's not yeah. a kid's book, but it's not like that. Very nice. And then you've written some book reviews, of course, for Amazon in Canada and yeah. some of the newspapers and everything. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get into that? What made you uh, want to do that? Well, it, it just kind of fell on my lap. I just kind of like got it. Just was something, and I just it was just the way you know you get free books and you know get to. I got to practice my writing chops and stuff like that because you know I I was you know at the time I was you know, writing a lot of fiction. So writing, nothing is better for getting your rain chops together than having to do book reviews. Yeah, because two, for two reasons. One, you got to write these really concise, you know, interesting sort of reviews of the books. And the other thing is that you read constantly because you're always reading a new book. And so nothing's better to, for learning how to write than to actually read. That's the number one way to learn how to write. Sure. So do you write scathing reviews? Are most of them pretty positive? I try to be balanced. I think I think being in the music business for all those years and being in a band and you know getting lots of great reviews and some bad reviews it's just like I guess I always appreciated <laughs> the ones that were sort of balanced that you know sort of like yeah. weren't necessarily hatchet jobs and weren't necessarily like complete rave ups you know <laughs> sort of like exactly yeah speaking of books I saw in the Utopia Times your, your T-shirt you kept wearing on there was about censorship is there a big issue about that going on back then. Is that kind of one of y'all's themes, or just a shirt? It was just, yeah, it was just something. I, I mean, I've always been really. It's been like a you know an important thing to me. Like you know, um, especially at the time, it was a big it was a big deal for me. Like I was I was a real. Was that when they were trying to put the labels on records and things, or it was a little bit after that? But it was it was just just a kind of a general thing that I was I was into. I mean, you know, it wasn't like it was anything that was pressing against me at the time. It was just something. Just a concept that I was I was into. Gotcha. Now, somebody want to know what town you're from. I'm assuming that's Toronto. Is that right? Well, that's yeah, that's the town I live in. That's that I've been living for a long time. I grew up in a place called Edmonton, out out, out west. But yeah, I'm, I've been a Torontonian for a long time. I've got a question. 
I uh, I I noticed that you have a song called Gretzky Rocks. Yeah. And I was wondering. I, I haven't. I I'm not familiar with that song. I apologize. But is that sort of a sports anthem? Do they play it at at hockey games now? They don't. Um, they played it once when Gretzky was retiring, and they played it at one of the at one of the sort of ten retirement things that happened. But it's there was. I guess from my understanding of it, and I have everything just on hearsay. It's like it was. It's like a tribute to Wayne Gretzky, but it says a couple of questionable things about about him and his wife or something. I guess. <laughs> not like not bad. Like it's. A, I just said everyone. It, there's a line that says everyone hated Peter and Janet. And Peter was Peter Poppington who owned the Edmonton Oilers who sold Wayne Gretzky to the Los Angeles Kings. Uh, and everyone thought it was like because of his wife Janet, who had wanted to go to Los Angeles because she was an actress at right. the time. And she wanted so everyone. I and for some reason that line is uh, my understanding is it pissed Wayne off like insanely and so that. Ooh song has sort of never really gone anywhere or did anything. I sort of thought maybe it would be a little bit of a sports anthem, but it's never done anything. Yeah, he married that actress that was the gymnast or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, she was smoking. Yeah, she ended up posing for Playboy magazine. Oh, I remember sure that back in the sure youth. See, no censorship. Yeah. Put her in there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky. Well, you know, I think that's... Uh, he should probably like that. If it, maybe I don't know. I wonder why he's. I guess he doesn't hold a grudge for, you know, them moving him on. So I take it you play. Uh, you're a big hockey fan. You got to yeah, be. I'm, big, Canada, I'm a big sports fan. I like yeah. hockey. I love love baseball and basketball. So yeah, I'm, I, I like sports. Yeah. So you're not watching. Is there there's some baseball tonight, right? Yeah. Yeah. There's uh there yeah there is a playoff game tonight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, hey, we got a call, Mo. If you don't mind, we're gonna take a caller. Somebody wants to say hello, ask some questions, I'm sure, hopefully. Sure. Okay. All right, 512, you're with us. Hello? 512, speak to us, please. Oh. 512, got scared. They hung up. Okay, by the way, if you call in tonight, the number is 646-716-9216. And be sure to keep your computer muted and listen through your phone because that's real time. Your computer's delayed a little bit. So keep that in mind. So there you go. That's the news of the day. Five one two. That was someone from Texas. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. I love Texas. You love Texas? Austin, Texas, one of my favorite towns. Yeah. That's exactly where five one two is. You were right. Nice. What do you like about Austin, Texas? Barbecue. <laughs> my <laughs> wife and I travel through the South every summer, and we love it. We love the South. Love the Southern love lifestyle and food, especially. Love Southern food. Barbecue, you know, meat and three sides, anything like that, like country cooking, all that kind of stuff. We love it. Friendly right. people. So you come to the South. Huh? You need to come to Alabama sometime. We got some of the best barbecue in the country. We were in Alabama a few years ago. Yeah, we had some good stuff. We were in um, Birmingham, and we went to a place called Nikki's East. Yeah, Austin. Nikki's West and Nikki's East. Nikki's yeah, West. that's a yeah, uh, yeah. cafeteria style meat yeah. and three. They have that's a really good vegetable place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, pretty pretty outstanding. <laughs> yeah. But that's not barbecue, unfortunately. But it's, no, no, uh, no, no. But yeah, that's a neat place, without yeah. question. Yeah, I live in Birmingham, so yeah, look me up next time you're over here. I'll take you to Dreamland. Well, I've heard place. about it. It's famous, yeah. yeah. We've been hearing about Dreamland for years, and we just never got a chance to make it there. But yeah, that's uh, it's famous for us. Yeah. They just put a big uh, article in USA Today about it. It was on the front page of the sports about two weeks ago, because it's a big deal here for the University of Alabama, and since their team's doing so well, you know, they get a little extra attention, so... 
Right. That's where it started. But we have another caller from area code 416. You're with us? Yeah, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you doing? I'm well. All right. Hey, Mo, it's Brad calling. Hey, Slicky. How's it going? <laughs> Not too bad. <laughs> Always enjoy listening to Rungan Radio. Hey, thanks. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, I was in uh, Pursuit of Happiness with Mo, but I kind of came on board after the first two records. So, Mo, I was wondering if you could uh, – did you notice any changes in Todd as far as his demeanor or how he approached things, maybe from being a red-hot producer, maybe when Love Junk was done, as maybe things sort of evolved over the last little while? Did he, did he approach things differently, or was his attitude different, or did you notice anything different about him personally over the years? You mean between between Love Junk Maybe and one in between when he produced Love Junk and then whenever you cross paths with him, whether it was professionally or just as a friend over the over, over the years. Um, I, I wouldn't necessarily say. I mean, he seems fairly unchanging. I didn't get a necessarily a sense. I will say that when I saw him at the gig last year um, in Toronto, he hugged me for the first time in my whole life. So <laughs> I don't know if he's become slightly more kinder and gentler. Um, but um, but yeah, I mean, I, 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 Todd to me is someone who has such a sense of himself that I'm not sure that the stuff that goes on around him affects him all that much. So I like I yeah I never thought I never had a sense that you know any he was mellowing like, or that yeah or or that you know the fact that he wasn't as busy as a producer was having any sort of effect on his like self-esteem or anything like that. I never I never got that sense at all. Well, thanks, Mo. You sound great on there, and again, love listening to Rungan Radio, guys. Keep it hey, up. Hey, thanks for listening. Good talking to okay. you. Let's, uh, let's take care. Yeah, yeah, man. See you soon. Bye. Oh, cool. That was fun. Yeah, yeah. He was uh, yeah because he joined the band right right after we finished recording the second record with Todd. He he just started playing bass for us. So was he? I'm not sure of the time frame here, and I apologize. The um, the love theme was that when he was around, or was that before? Yeah, yeah. He was playing the bass on for the love theme. So okay. He, yeah, he did meet Todd. We we'd opened a bunch of shows for Todd on that tour. Actually, we opened for him on the New Year Human tour in Toronto, and then on the Second Wind tour, we did another show with him as well. Yeah, and and we also traveled around a bit and saw him play like Grand Rapids, Michigan, and stuff. So yeah, Brad had had a chance to meet Todd a bunch of times. Yeah, I bet y'all felt like a small band when you got out there with that nearly human group with <laughs> as many people. Yeah, yeah, yeah they were. It was a, <laughs> that was a fairly major uh, production. Yeah, and I went, yeah I went out and saw them play in. They did two shows at the Ritz in New York down the Nearly Human Tour. I went up to that, and I actually got to go on stage with them on the Ritz and sing backups. Excellent. Yeah, it was pretty fun. Yeah, are you near Buffalo? Very close to Buffalo. Yeah, you know, he's been at the trial for a couple of times recently. It sells out. It's a really small place in Buffalo. Right, yeah, I can imagine he'd do really well there. Yeah. He does great. Every time he comes to Toronto, he should come to Toronto more often because every time he comes here, he does great shows. People, He has tons of fans here in New York. I remember when he came here the time that I saw him, um, Mary Lou's tour manager said the show was great. It was, they had like a huge crowd and he made a lot of money and stuff. So mm-hmm. hope he, he has come back since, actually, since that show. He came back when he had uh, Prairie and uh, Chasm in the band. Right. But um, I, was out of the, I was out of town when he came, so I didn't get a chance to see him, but I would have gone to that one too. Well, my guess is he'll probably uh, be pretty busy in 2009 and, He'll probably be all over the place, including yeah. Canada, I would think. Yeah, so. I suspect since things have, have been going well from him up here, that he'll probably come back. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we have a couple more callers. Oddly enough, their area codes are one number apart. So we'll start with 616. You're with us. Hey, Doug. It's Dustin. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, Mo, I saw you. You just mentioned Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I'm from Grand Haven, right next to uh, Grand Rapids. I saw you there. also saw you uh, backstage there uh, at a Todd show. 
Uh, Michelle was holding Rebop as a baby. But uh, my question to you is, um, you guys played, could I just tell you, as your encore, or as one of your encores, did yeah. you ever play any other Todd stuff on a regular basis, or is that? Um, all, yeah, we used to, we had lots of because when we ever when we did encores, we almost always just did covers. Um, so we always we had all kinds of covers. We do like Bad Finger covers or Todd covers. We did um, we did um, Trapped, and we also did um, we did uh, Born to Synthesize, but we did like a full rock orchestration of Born oh. to Synthesize. It was super kickass. Really? I don't mind saying. Um, I wish we recorded it or something like that because it was wow. pretty. Cool arrangement. It was like big guitar arrangement of Born to Synthesize, with like lots of backup vocals and stuff. It was neat. So, uh, geez, I wish. I wonder if there's like a live recording of that anywhere because I sure would like to hear. Ah, well, bootleg action. When was this? Well, this, yeah, was, back in the day, like Rebop was a baby. Kind of like back. Mm. We this would have been back in like the early '90s or mid '90s. We were doing that. Probably we're probably doing Born and Born to Synthesize. Probably like '94, '95, somewhere around there. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um, we'll try to try to see if we can hunt that down, won't we, Patrick? Yeah, that be, we'll see what we can do there. Uh-huh. But, you yeah. know, when I saw you, Grand Rapids is a big Todd area. And yeah. I mean, all the Todd fans were there that, that night. So when you guys broke out into that, I mean, it was, it was, a, it was a cool moment. And uh, I don't know if you remember it, but, I mean, for me it was being a, being a big Todd fan. But I thought you guys were very entertaining, very entertaining. Yeah, we 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 tried our hardest to entertain. We always tried to put on a good show, and we were always pretty excited to be wherever we were. We tried never to phone in the show. We always tried to put on a good show, no matter who was there and what was going on. So, yeah, and and doing yeah, I'm, we did we did. Couldn't I just tell you for about three years? Like we did almost every night. So that was kind of one of the one of the encore songs that we did a lot. That was great. Hey Mo, um, the um, for the, I'm an adult now, so that that tour there. You had a girl, as I'm looking at, she'll be to the right of stage, and she was the backup singer, and she was very entertaining. Um, I don't remember her name, but when when she left and and you replaced her, did um, did that act continue? You know, with her dancing, I just remember that. I mean, she was very lively. And... Probably thinking about Leslie. Leslie was probably that person at that moment, and yeah, she got replaced by a girl named Susan. But Leslie ended up starting a band with the guy who was playing bass on that tour, whose name was Johnny, and the two of them started a band called Universal Honey. And they knocked around for quite a while after that, like years and years. So, I don't know, that might be, you might be able to dig up their record somewhere. But, yeah. Was the girl that replaced Leslie, but she became was, a was she lively like, like that, like Leslie was she, on well, the she beca- I'm not sure if she was, because she then she was the front person. She was the singer, and she played guitar, so I don't think she was doing all that dancing. I think she was more just kind of playing guitar and singing. And then, but the girl we got to replace her was doing all that stuff, and then we. She got was to... doing that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Hey, good talking to you. You too. Take care. Thank you. See you, Doug. Hey, say hi to all our friends in Michigan. I will. I will. See ya. There you go. Thanks for calling, him. Dustin Twenty Nine. All right. Good stuff. We thought we had somebody calling from Six One Seven, but they disappeared. It's kind of yeah. odd. Six One Six Six One Seven. I don't well, know. Call back. Call back again. Come on, call, people. Call anytime you want. It's all good. Six four six seven one six nine two six two is the number. All right. So, any of these bands that you're producing now, you really hot on? Do you think are got big potential? Well, there's one. This one band called the Clicks. They're um, they've been doing fairly well. They're um, they're signed to Tommy Boy in the states, and they've been touring a lot. They were on. They did a big tour of the U.S. with the Cult, and then they did another big tour. They've done two of those True Colors tours with Cyndi Lauper and. 
and and so yeah, they've been they're doing really well. They're a really cool rock band, kind of like a alternative rock band. It's like all girl band with a guy, a sort of transgender guy lead singer, <laughs> guitar player, and mm-hmm. killer singer. And um, yeah, they're a really cool band. That's CLIKS, right? CLIKS, yeah, okay. the clicks, and the record's called Snake House. It's pretty pretty phenomenal. Yeah, very good. There's another girl I produced that's knocking around Nashville now. Her name's Shan Lee Briggs, and she might be someone to look out for, too. Speaking of transgender, I read somewhere about this, um, was it a play or musical or something you were in that one time? Oh, oh. Hedwig and the Angry Inch, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but too. It's like, yeah, it's, it's like a New York musical that ended up coming and did it. They had a Toronto production, and I was the guitar player, and I was also the musical director of that. So that was kind of a blast. So you didn't play Hedwig, huh? I did not play Hedwig, no. <laughs> a friend of mine played. actually ended up playing Hedwig. He's a big Canadian actor, and he did a phenomenal job. It was uh, very fun to do that. It didn't last long enough, but it was, it was a lot of fun. It was like a real rock musical. Like, we, you know, the, on, the, the band was on stage. We were part of the show, and so it was really fun to, and to play every night like that. It was a pretty neat show. Okay. Oh, okay. I saw because I'd seen Todd do uh, Up Against It. I went to the, sh- I went to the play twice. It was, and that was fantastic. I loved the music he did for that. It was like some of the best stuff I think Todd ever wrote, and a lot of stuff that he wrote for that play ended up on, on top. Yeah, I, I, some of those songs are, yeah, some of the top ones. I think I'm with you on that. Yeah, good stuff. Too bad that didn't, uh, you know, do better. I know they have a lot of kind of issues with production and whatnot, but I, I don't know that it was the quality of the music or the show necessarily. It's just some crazy stuff going on. Yeah, it's, what's funny about that is like some of the people that were on that show went on to really great things. A couple of the actors are like big actors in Hollywood and stuff now. It's mm-hmm. pretty cool. But but I think that would be great if someone would remount that show. I think it would be amazing if someone could kind of like tweak the play a little bit and remount the show with that music. I think maybe on a smaller scale or something. Would be really sure. Cool. I know you know you know how the Todd fans are. They'd all go. We'd yeah. be there. We'd yeah. check it out. Yeah. There's a question we have from the chat room. Yeah. Mo, this comes from uh, Wheezy, and I believe she's Canadian, right? Yes. She's called into the show before. For some reason, she's not calling tonight. Um, she has a question about the song called Walking in the Woods, and she wants to know if that was based on a true story. No, it was not. It was, um, it, a lot of people have asked me that, and it wasn't. Um, what that was based on, I'm, it <laughs> sounds crazy, but... When I when I when I was um, when I first moved to Toronto, I do I met the guy who ended up being our bass player. And we had all these little games, just stupid games we play, and um, and one of them was like cutest girl in the blank. It'd be like the cutest girl in the laundromat, cutest girl in the subway, cutest girl in whatever. And so you just play that, and you look around and see the cutest girl, and that's the end of the game. <laughs> it's really not much of a game, but <laughs> <laughs> so anyway. So it it was kind of song was based on that, but it just kind of like grew into this whole thing about like you know you see somebody on the subway and then you kind of like I just you know if you let your imagination run wild, it's like what if something happened to this person you know and and you know they're they're you know I mean every urban center has these sort of things where these horrific sort of crimes random crimes happen and so I just kind of it kind of went that way which is you know how songwriting is it's like you start with a drum of an idea and it's somewhere it ends up some completely other place a lot of the time so. No, it, was, it wasn't a true story. It was based on a very infantile, juvenile game. <laughs> <laughs> Just a game. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, Mo, we have another caller we would like to take here from area code 410. Hello. Hello. 
Hi. Hi, Mo. This is Deb from Baltimore. Hey, Deb. How's it going? Hi. Hi. Pretty good. Pretty good. Um, you were talking earlier about um, when you did the, you were uh, at the Rich Show for the Nearly Human tour, and I have a funny recollection from that whole weekend. One night after a show, back behind the club, I remember you being literally carried away by BB, Liv, and Jenny, who wanted so bad to take you to parties and to you know take you away. You were almost you weren't even walking. I think you were just carried away by those three women, just. Wanting to all to have a little piece of you. Yeah. Yeah, I never ended up going anywhere with them. I just, you you guys go ahead, and I never, you know, I think they were going like a Saturday Night Live party, you know, and I just, I never made it. I I was kind of like, yeah, you know, I've had enough to, I had enough. You know, that may have been how it looked, but I actually wasn't really that drunk. I I wasn't. I was just kind of like, you know, I was just kind of like, I'm wandering around New York and, Two o'clock in the morning, they're going to a party that I'm not invited to, and I'm going to crash this party with these people. I was like, do I really want to do that? Like, you know, and I just decided I wasn't going to do it. But I probably should have. It probably would have been really cool and fun. But I, uh, yeah, I decided not to go. <laughs> hey, are you guys still doing the Monte Forte thing? We do it once in a while. Yeah, mm-hmm. for those who do not know, which would be almost everybody listening. Um, Monteforte is um, is this cover band. It's like a joke cover band. It's like we make a list of a hundred songs and we take all the good ones and throw them out and only do the crappy ones. And so uh, we do that like once or twice a year, and just so our friends can come out and see us play and and you know drink and dance and. That's a up. lot of fun. I saw it years and years and years ago. We went up there to see you guys play TPOH and got a bonus night when you guys were doing that. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's it's a lot of fun. It's a fun thing to do. But yeah, we don't do it all that often. Any more yeah, uh, future TPOH shows uh, planned down the road? I wouldn't count on it. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, and it's, we're all friends. It's not there's no bad blood or anything. The farthest thing from it, we're all really. Yeah, but it's one of those little memory shows every once in a blue moon, you know, an old anniversary show, you know. I, I'm, we would never rule anything out. Like it's, mm-hmm. we'll never say that's it or we're broken up. But it's just there's a high level of interest on this part of the band members to do it anymore. So. Mm-hmm. If, if something came up that, you know, everyone thought was a good idea, then we might do it. But I don't know that it's necessarily going to be generated by the band members. It would be probably someone approaching us and saying, this is, we want you to do this, and it would be, wouldn't it be great? And us agreeing that it would be great. Mm-hmm. It's always fun. <laughs> yeah. It, it, yeah, I, it is fun, but it's just, um, it, I guess it's just something that we feel we've done now. Hear ya, hear ya. Cool. Well, I just want to say hey. And, well, great uh, hearing from you. Yeah, take care. And, yep, hope all is well, and keep yeah, on. I'll take care. Okay. Hey, thanks for calling in. Okay, bye. Appreciate you. Speaking of calling in, our 617 person has returned, and they are now on the air. Up oh, there they are. You're on the air with Ryan Radio. Mo Bird. Hello? 617, you got to turn your computer, mute your computer, and because uh, we're delayed. <laughs> we are really uh, delayed, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, deja vu. All right, 617, we'll let you back on in a minute, but you have to turn your computer off or mute it and listen through the phone because that's real time. We've been having trouble with that a lot lately. We need to put, like, a poster up or I something. I know. You know? I've, got, I've got a question. Mo, uh, Deb, the last caller, mentioned uh, Liv Tyler. <laughs> Is it true that, that when she was Liv, Liv Rundgren that uh, – she was quite a fan of yours. 
Well, I mean, I don't know about that. It's like she was a kid. She was 12 years old when we were doing our first record. So right. we would drive her into town to, like, buy toys <laughs> and stuff, you know. So it was funny. So just kind of watching her grow up. And then the next year when we did the second record with Todd or a year and a half later, she was, you know, starting to become a kind of a teenager and stuff. But she's still, you know, she's still a kid. And then the night that Deb was talking about, uh, Deb, was, Deb was one of those people that, you know, those Todd Rundgren fans, Pursuit of Happiness fans that, you know, that sort of we ended up becoming friends with and stuff. But that that night, like, I think Liv would finally become, like, 16 or something like that. And all of a sudden, she was, like, 16 going on 21, you know. And she looked like a adult at that point. And so it was pretty obvious that she was destined for greatness, you know. So, um, yeah, it was funny because she mentioned us in, some, in a Vanity Fair piece. She didn't mention us by name. She said... She said she was talking about growing up, and and she said, yeah, it's just like that band my band my dad produced, or, or Todd. I guess at that point she was calling him Todd because it was she, by this point she was already figuring that Stephen Tyler was her dad, and she said that you know about I'm I'm an adult now, but she didn't mention our band name. I was like, oh, if you just could have mentioned our band name, Vanity Fair, how awesome would that be? <laughs> but um, but yeah, so I mean, I I can't honestly say she was a fan, but she certainly knew us, and we chummed and. I would hope she had fond memories of her, of us because we were, you know, we were nice to her and hung out with her and stuff. Mm. Yep, that would have been a good free promotion. Oh, she's yeah. trying. <laughs> what are you doing? Mm. Sorry, Doug just touched me on the head for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> trying to have fun on the webcam. All right, so we do have that call. Let's take six one seven again. And uh, yeah, yeah, here I am. Hey, Yay. Bill. Yeah, it's uh, right. Bill Salome. Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. All right. Hey, how you guys doing? Good. Appreciate you helping us get Mo on. I'm glad you called. I figured you would eventually get around to doing that. Oh sure. Cool. Hey, uh, Mo, how how did you ever end up on uh, the Mickey Mouse Club show? How did that happen? Well, that was <laughs> you, you know, of all the motion department at Christmas Maybe. Records. You know, they just oh, they yeah. got that for us. And that was quite thrilling, actually. We got to go to to Disney World and 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 um and be on the show. It's like that's like a once in a lifetime. I and mean, we tell other bands about that and they just can't believe it. Like they can't believe how insanely cool that is. So um yeah, so that was it, again that was just like something that the publicity department. It was kind of a weird thing because well for two reasons. One, it was like trying to find songs off our first record Love Junk that would be appropriate for kids. And that was a real tough one and they just decided to us to have us play this sort of more uh you know, lighter songs musically, but they weren't necessarily lighter lyrically. The one song that we played was a song about suicide, so I don't know that the producers of the show have figured that out. And the other thing was that we, um, so just because of the way we recorded with Todd, we recorded really live off the floor, and he really wanted to capture performances with us. Like, so he had us all play at the same time, and um, and like some of the songs we did like in one take or two takes, and he was really into this recording live off the floor thing and really capturing you know, the immediacy of the performance. So there was no counts to these songs. And so so we went to, to we went to, uh, to, you know, we had to go back to Todd and say, you know, can you do something about this? Because we know, we need to know when to start the song because we had these like radio, back then, you know, um, <clears throat> this was like in the like late 80s, early 90s where they, they, um, they, um, um, they, you, they didn't really have production facilities have the band play live, and so you just basically had tracks and you sang live to the to the tracks. And so we needed to know when to come in to like she's so young. And so we got the live tracks, and I'm up on stage at, on the Mickey Mouse Club, and I hear Todd going 
one, two, three, four. <laughs> and we just okay. and we started playing. It was super hilarious. It was hard enough to just burst out laughing. Yeah, was a, oh yeah, my God. And we got to do that whole thing, M-I-C-C, real soon, K-Y-Y, <laughs> because we like you. We did a whole thing, and whenever I see that, I just want to kill myself laughing. It's so hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> M-I-C, just like Britney Spears. Yeah, yeah. It was just you before and... that era. It was, just, it was the kids that were just before the Britney Spears, uh, Christina Aguilera, Justin Timberlake era, so we just missed out. That was too bad. That would have been fun to be. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's funny. And um, do you remember what the prize was? For you, know, you were you were judging an air guitar contest. That's right, and I do not remember okay. what the prize was. The prize was uh, just a, a guitar strap because an air guitar is nothing. So you just get a strap. <laughs> yeah. That was the prize. Nice. That's not much of a prize. I have it on video somewhere. I have to find it. I think I have some of it on video. I might have gotten it from you actually. So. <laughs> That was pretty amazing because apparently um, whoever got you involved in that, I don't know if it was Jeff Rogers or not, was like, um, didn't uh, show Disney the, the lyrical contact of, of your first album, you know? Uh, yeah, somehow. Here that, you are. Yeah. That escaped the, the, the Disney crowd, you know? Your it did, it contact. did. And, you know, fortunately, or we would have been fired. And I think there was a point where we almost were anyway. I think we, you know, being a rock band, we weren't used to starting our day at like 8 o'clock in the morning and doing a run-through of the show. So when we first did the run-through, we were kind of weren't they're particularly animated as we were running through our songs, and they were like, I don't think these guys can do the show. They're not being very animated. And, and you know, people would just, just give them a chance, you know, like once the show starts, we'll, they'll, they'll make up for it. Don't worry. So I think they were just about ready to pull the plug on us halfway through the show. Mm. <laughs> Well, like, remember the, the video for um, uh, uh, Hot for Teacher? Yeah. Of Van Halen? Right. Well, like, I, I read that, like, the next day, this were all good kids until they did that video. And the next day, they're all bad kids. Like, imagine all the bad kids that you uh, probably... Oh, I hope that's not true. I hope Watch not. Disney Channel... And so T.P. Wish said, oh, i got to get yeah, that Yeah, we out. destroyed the minds of America. I hope that didn't happen. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it was all those kids grew up and voted for George Bush. Maybe that's what happened. <laughs> Twice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, Bill. Yeah. You you were around with the Utopia Times back then when yes, I was, I was doing stuff, yeah. right? And, yeah. and as a matter of fact, um, T.P. Wish was voted number one uh, Todd Lundgren production. Oh, nice. Uh, you took your time. Uh, they just eked out XTC, uh, as a matter of fact. Mm, ah, oh, very nice. Actually, XTC has taken on a whole life of its own. The whole Andy Partridge thing. I remember like that moment that, uh, that Andy Partridge decided that he liked Skylarking. If, if they, he, he, there was some interview, and I was reading it, and I was, I was actually in the studio with Todd at the time. I think we were recording the second album, and uh, wow. and I told Todd, I said, hey, did you read that Andy Parches finally admitted that he liked the record? And Todd flipped out, like totally flipped out. And he said, I can't believe that. He said, he said after going around for like a year, bad-mouthing me, bad-mouthing, and then finally he decides he likes it. It's like, this, like I think... He he was almost like 
upset with Andy for not sticking to his guns. It's like if that's how you feel, then that's how you feel. It's like why why would you do all that damage to me and then all of a sudden decide you like the record? Anyway, it seemed to bother him a lot that, that Andy had, had flipped, even though he'd sort of flipped in his favor. Wow. Somebody in the chat well, room is curious if you were still an XTC fan, uh, Mo. It's a Skylarky fan. And if that I had an influence I still love the record. And Todd loved the record. He did a great job on it. And, mm-hmm. I mean, it was obvious that it was a great record. And it probably saved XTC's career, you know. And um, so, yeah, I, I mean, I still think that's a great record. I love it. Hmm. I don't have to like the people in the band. Like <laughs> well, someone, we had Dave Gregory and Andy on the part. Dave Gregory was super nice. Yeah, I think Andy was the only one that was kind of down on top. But I think it was yeah. just kind of two alpha males in the room. Yeah, exactly. But he's still, he was still funny. He was a good guest. He's a funny guy. But, uh, yeah, you know, that stuff's going to happen every now and then. Yeah. That's how those guys are sometimes. That's right. Very good. Hey, Doug. Yes. Can you ever get Colin Molding um, for an interview? <laughs> That's funny. Prairie Prince asked me that yesterday. Uh, I haven't actually put forth a good effort on that, but I will try. I'd like to do that. Oh, That'd be great because the other two were fantastic. And, uh, yeah, those were good shows, good yeah. stuff. Yeah, we'll have to. Uh, he, he's tougher to find, and I'm not sure he's, you know, interested in talking. Apparently, he's the one that has the problem with the music, uh, you know, some of the new releases and all that kind of stuff. So we'll yeah. see. Yeah. Sounds good. Sounds good. Maybe just get him to specifically talk about working with Todd. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the uh, funny thing was that um, he wasn't going to tour. He wasn't going to play. So he, he went on a press junket, and the, the press junket was dissing Todd. And, and I, I think even Mo said, well, what's the point of this? You know, if you're going to go out and say, yeah, it's a good record, but the producer sucks, you know. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, you're just shooting yourself in the foot. And it's like the record probably would have done a lot better. You might have, like, dissuaded people from buying the record because... He's bad-mouthing his own record. People say, oh, if you don't like it, I'm not going to buy it. <laughs> so it's like, I really didn't understand the whole point of that. He might as well just not even bother talking about it if that's the way he felt. Yeah, being your own worst critic doesn't make yeah. sense, does it? Well, you know, my feeling is is that he secretly liked it the whole time, and it just like he was just, his ego was bruised, and so he's pissed off, and he just, you know, decided to just vent. And But, I, I, I mean, I can't imagine that he, you know, he didn't like that record. I mean, it was phenomenal, and he had to know that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I heard a theory that uh, the uh, Todd met the English Todd, and Andy met the American uh, Andy. Andy, yeah. <laughs> there was, yeah. There was too many egos. Yeah, it's clearly that's what it was. It's like I said earlier, it's two alpha males, and you know I don't think any of the producers that had worked with Andy before had you know talked back or anything. But I think my understanding of it, from just what the brief amount that I spoke to Todd about it, was that. The record label had given Todd some fairly serious, a fairly serious mandate, like make these, you know, these guys need a hit record right now, or things are going to go bad for them at Virgin. So, you know, I think Todd sort of felt, you know, that he had to do certain things to make sure that that was a possibility. Mm-hmm. And you know, the funny thing about it all is, is that Todd was the one that was the champion for that song, Dear God, which ended up being like the biggest hit that the band ever had and the band didn't even want to put that song on the record and it wasn't until the second sort of pressing of the record that the song was even on it mm-hmm. and the song that they wanted to have on it which ended up on it anyway was this song another satellite which was like a seven minute brooding kind of weird song not a bad song but not a hit and todd had sort of sculpted this you know 
pop classic, um, and you know the band didn't want to, why even want to put it on the record. So it's like, I mean, if you want to, <laughs> if you want to decide who was right about it, I guess there you go. Yeah, it was definitely commercially successful for them. Yeah, and of course, you know, music fans love it. I know I do. It's really good. Yeah, it's not like it's some cheap piece of fluff. It was a pretty cool song. Right. So would you compare some of your producing style? to Todd's or some of the other people that you've worked with, or you kind of all on your own on that? Well, I mean, I think everybody I, I ever worked with influenced me as a producer, but definitely Todd influenced me a lot as a producer. I mean, two things, two most important things I learned about working as a producer from Todd was um, was the idea of conceptualizing the record. And that was, that Todd always said that was his main thing, was that he, even his own records, he conceptualized them. So there was he said almost every record that he ever made was a concept record. Mm-hmm. So he that was a big thing when he was producing us is that we had like a central message and that all the songs sort of like related to some sort of very loose theme, even if it was a very loose theme that it he said because it was a lot easier for people to digest that you know your lyrical message if it was just all, everything was sort of coming from a sort of essential uh, coming towards a central theme, mm-hmm. and so. It's what I try to do, the most important thing I try to do is hear to the end before we start. So it's like if you have some kind of idea where the destination is, then you know you you know how to lead your band to that, you lead the band to that destination. So to me, that's the most important part of any production is having an idea, having a concept of what you want the record to sound like and be out from right from the beginning of the record before you even start recording it. And that that was probably the biggest thing. Very nice. Bill, you still with us? Bill, up. Lost him. You Bill seem to go, y'all go way back? You know him for a long time? Yeah, Bill was one of the guys that, you know, became like a Pursuit of Happiness fan, you know, because he was a Todd Rundgren fan. So, like, whenever we'd be out, you know, near Boston, he'd always come out to the shows and we'd end up hanging out because I really really liked him. And, you know, he came out and saw us play, you know, on tour, you know, every once in a while. So, yeah, I kind of kept in touch with him a bit and traded you know, Todd stuff, and yeah, I, I, he's, uh, I haven't seen him in a long time, but yeah, I used to used to see him all the time. Haven't been to Boston in a while? Haven't been to Boston in a while. Boston, yeah, well, <laughs> it's about to be pretty cold over there, I think. Yeah, I'll bet. Yeah. Well, he was he was actually quite helpful uh, in uh, helping us do some research about you. Right, yeah. So, uh, thanks, Bill. Yeah, Appreciate thanks, it. Yeah, thanks for calling in, too. Very nice. So you had a song that was on Beavis and Butthead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Those guys disappeared off the face there, didn't they? Well, yeah, I mean, I don't think that was the kind of thing that could go on forever. If yeah. There wasn't, like, a lot of, like, growth yeah. <laughs> possibilities for those dudes. So, but, yeah, I mean, it was it was just a really weird thing. And and I didn't we didn't even really get that much advance notice of it, but all of a sudden, we I think we were in Atlanta playing a big, like, outdoor show for a radio station. And uh, and that night it was on. It was on. Like I, I think we had got tipped off that you, we were going to be on Beavis and Butthead. So we had this song called Cigarette Dangles on that same record that Love Theme is on. Mm-hmm. And so they started playing it and they started doing their thing to it. It was like so insanely cool. Like again, it's one of those things where you tell other bands that you're on. <laughs> yeah, that's a brag. Something to brag about. Them, I got you. Serious respect. Yeah. Yeah. Very nice. So this song that was also, um, you were touring Canada apparently on that single on another one called Pressing Lips. Somebody in our chat room wanted me to play that, so I'll do that later for you. But I wanted to just play a couple of clips right quick. 
because we haven't done uh, much of the music, but two of the songs that were on your 2005 When We Ruled, the, I guess the best of CD, right. that were previously unreleased. So I've got Let My People Go and Take You With Me, and we'll play those. So I'm going to let you pick which one first. Which one? Let's go with the one you said that uh, Todd didn't like the words to uh, Take You With Me. Is that right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. We'll play the one that Todd gave you grief about. Okay. Fair enough? All right. We'll be right back. Okay. Another one I definitely want to play here in a little while is 
When Doves Cried, print song that you guys <laughs> covered, and it's quite different. What's uh, what made y'all decide to go with that one? Well, yeah, that was kind of part of the um, the whole thing when um, when we, when they asked us to put a couple of, of of new songs on on the best of. That was one of the ideas. Like, why not play one of the, why not do because that was we we're trying to do something stuff that was kind of like we weren't trying to reinvent the wheel. Or it's like what would Pursuit of Happiness fans kind of like? And so even the new song that we that we wrote and recorded for it was very sort of old pursuit of happiness style. Like we were, you know, and then that thing was like, why don't we would do one of the songs? Because remember, I was telling you earlier that we used to cover songs and do cover songs in our in our encore, and that was one of the ones we did. We did a lot. That was one of the, one of the ones we really had a blast doing because it was a little bit different. You know, our arrangement was a bit different. It was kind of a fun song to play. People really liked it, so so it was just kind of like, yeah, well, that was something that pursuit of happiness did. So why don't we sort of put it on the record? So people had heard that already before it was really on the. I, yeah, I mean, a lot of people would have heard it at our shows. You know, they would have heard like a live version, but we we actually went into the studio and recorded it properly. <laughs> what were some other covers you guys did? Oh gosh, we did so many. I oh man, we did all those Todd ones that I said, and then we did. We used to do Day After Day. No, not Day After Day. We used to do No Matter What by um, Bad Finger. Um, we did Go All the Way by the Raspberries once in a while. We oh, nice choice. <laughs> I love that song. Yeah, it's probably one of my favorite songs of all time. Um, uh, just kind of, we used to do some. We used to do a little bit. We used to do "Back in Black" by ACDC once in a while, and um, I geez, and my for some reason I, I'm, it's all escaping me. But yeah, we had we had a whole pile of them that we used to dig out from time to time. Yeah, is there anything else though that you did that's kind of you know would sound odd if you hadn't heard the song? Like you, you know, you look at the Pursuit of Happiness and you go, they, they did what? They did Prince? Was there any other you know? Uh, songs like that or, or musicians like that that really don't kind of fit into what you're doing that you guys covered and change it up a lot? Well, there was a time when we used to do, um, um, we used to do a bunch of little snippets of covers in, um, in I'm an Adult Now. We'd, I'm an Adult Now would end up stretching out to be like 12 minutes long because <laughs> we'd do all these things in it. And we'd do like Iggy Pop, bits of Iggy Pop songs. We'd do like Superman song by the Crash Test Dummies and we'd do Back in Black. We'd do um, Pop Goes the World by Men Without Hats. We do all kinds of like just whatever weird things that we that sort of like. Sometimes it was just completely improvised. Um, so yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, the weirdest cover we ever did was Born to Synthesize because it was just so completely different from the recording. Uh, that was the one one song that we did was the most different from that than the real the real artist version of it. Men Without Hats, the Safety Dance. That's it. That's right. Yeah. Dun, 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 dun. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm embarrassed to say I know that. Yeah, everybody knows that. <laughs> you just mentioned I'm an adult now, which I didn't act like last night at the Todd show and that post Todd show. But I was uh, curious how you think about that song now. Is it one you know, like sometimes Todd says, uh, "Hello, it's me, it's an albatross." But uh, do you still like that song? Are you happy with it? And if you guys were touring, would you be playing that? Oh, you better believe we'd be playing it. Yeah, I mean it was. It was, you know, that was our entry. Like that was the song that, you know, was the song that helped us do get every get do everything that we got to do. So, uh, you know, it's, I mean, you know, I I have no resentment about song, and because I don't think of it as a crappy song, I really like it. I thought it was a pretty cool song, and so oh, yeah. the fact that that became our biggest hit was no big problem for me. Mm -hmm. um, I always had this thing that never release a single of a song that you don't like. Oh. So as long as you like it, like because you you know you're gonna have to play it a million times, and everyone's gonna say you know talk about it all the time. So mm -hmm. it's I, it's not an albatross for me. I, it was great. I mean, it was it opened so many doors for us. I mean, it, I mean, 
in America. And it's like, you know, I still, you know, it still gets played on radio stations in America. In America, so it's like to me, it was, it was, it was, it was a way for us to, to you know, to get out and 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 play and probably get Todd Winger to produce our record. It's got some great funny lyrics that that even apply to today. It's it's just hysterical. Well, I hope so. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's play a little bit of that song right quick. All right. Here we go. This is Michael. How are you? Good. Yes, Hello, can you hear me? Good. We can. Good, thanks. Well, I just thought I'd try click to talk to see if that worked on uh, Rundgren Radio, and it does. There you go. Anyway, I'm in contact online with my Canadian friend from Mississauga, big TPOH fan, and she asked me to ask a question on her behalf. And uh, she wanted to know if anyone's ever covered any the Pursuit of Happiness songs that Mo was pleased with the results. So have there been any covers of their music that used to? Good question. I like that. Mo, I've never heard of one. 
<laughs> you know, that was one of the whole things about becoming the singer of my band. Like, I'm not, like, the greatest singer, but I always just thought no one else would sing these songs. <laughs> so, and that has become the truth, actually. No one else has sung these songs. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even really aware of any covers of our songs. I once saw a band do a cover of our song. In, people come up to me all the time and say, I was in a band, I was in a cover band, and we used to play your songs all the time. But I've never actually seen it except a, a one guy. One, I saw somebody do a cover. No recorded ones that I know. Mm. Of. Just a lot of people. A lot of people do. Get somebody to do that. Yeah. Be kind of Someday. Fun. Yeah. Maybe you'll be in like one of these, you know, rap songs with I'm an adult now, like they do, like the Aerosmith. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. You get to I run DMC. That, like some big like Jay Z or someone who sells. Yeah. <laughs> you'll be no, in a video, you know, not, on one side of the wall. <laughs> yeah, that'd be cool. I could buy a new toaster oven or something. <laughs> Yeah. One thing that impressed me from the songs that I've heard so far is the tight harmonies, the two and three part harmonies. It really makes the sound unique. And it's a shame if you stop recording and releasing material, it'd be kind of fun to get some new music once in a while. You ever consider well, that? Yeah, it would Perhaps be fun. doing some home studio recording? I mean yeah, I mean I record stuff I write with other people and stuff, but I just I just don't have that much interest in being an artist. I mean the music business is just so insane right. now that be part of that would just be too frustrating and um, when we were doing it it was getting that way but it was still kind of okay um, you know the, our, our record company was still trying to develop us as artists and there were some good things going on but now it's just ridiculous it's so hard for bands um, you know record companies don't want to do anything they don't want to spend any money they just want to take all your money and um, <laughs> and they, all the bands they sign are terrible and all the music comes out now is terrible so um it's it's very it's a terrible business to be in right now, and no wonder kids don't buy records, and that's why the record companies aren't doing very well, because no one wants to buy the terrible music they release. And um, I know that makes me sound like a really old man. And there's lots of great music that's coming out. There's as much good music now as there's ever been. It's just it's not coming out on like the big labels. It's right. It's all yeah you know, independent now, and you just get yeah. word of mouth. You know, some of these things exactly. spread, but yeah, it's yeah you know, the music business is definitely we hear we talk about that a lot about how much has changed now. You know, the, the ability to burn CDs, et cetera, has changed the market and where the money is and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I mean, you know, the, the, instead of the major labels, instead of signing the kind of bands that made major labels, major labels, mm -hmm. like a band like Led Zeppelin probably couldn't get half their records released now. Yeah. Like, I mean, you know, and, you know, maybe probably even Todd Rungan records, you know, they were too mm -hmm. weird. Like, those records are too weird now. No one would release it. Who'd release the first Utopia record with, like, four songs on it? You know? Right. That'd be impossible. So, sure. You know, so, it, it's and but all those records were the records that made all the money and still, to this day, continue to prop up the record companies. All the back catalogs of all Led Zeppelin, Pink Floyd, all these bands that were, would be too weird to sign now mm -hmm. are, the, are the ones that basically still keep all those record companies afloat. Those, show, those songs get so much radio play, you know. Yeah. So those Led Zeppelin, those songs are still still popular so much that they get played a lot they're probably still people buying spending money on those absolutely and they still got played on the radio but they wouldn't get played on the radio if they were released now yeah well you ever heard of a band called Chic Chic like C-H-I-C yes yeah like they did they were like a sort of a disco funk band yeah they did La Freak yeah 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 did you know that they were nominated for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year and Mr. Rungren was still left out yeah well you know one day <laughs> I mean, that's how silly the music business is, though. Yeah. La Freak, in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, maybe. 
Yeah. I don't know if they're going to make it, but it's just like you got to be kidding me. Yeah. It's hilarious. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, music business definitely changed. You agree with that, Michael Mack? Definitely. I find that most of my recommendations not do not come from the radio, but from friends and through the internet. And um, of course, music is traded fairly freely. Realizing that most musicians make their income, I think, through touring and merch rather than record sales these days. It's almost like a um, invitation to come to a show by using songs as a uh, as a as a leader and advertisement in a way. So yeah, it certainly has changed. Yeah. That's part of it, but it's also you'll often find that artists who get downloaded a lot or who offer their music up for free also get a lot of people buying their records too. So it's like, I mean, people like uh, like Radiohead and Nine Inch Nails have been really good about making their music available, and they're also selling piles of records. So it's like a lot of this is just mythology that's been perpetrated by the record companies. It's like. It's like, mm. you know, if you look at people who, whose songs get downloaded a lot, they're probably, a lot of those people, like, I don't know, like Britney Spears or the Jonas Brothers, they still sell millions of records, too. So it's like, I mean, people will, won't even take for free something that's crappy. You know? So it's like, <laughs> if it's good, they want it, and, you know, they'll pay for it. Yeah. And so they might want right. to, they might download it, you know, first just so they can listen to it, but a lot of people are fans of the people, like, like someone might download a Todd Rengren song, but they're big enough fans they'll go and buy the record too because they want to support Todd. Right. So. Exactly. Particularly really at the shows, that. I think the markup's probably a little better for the artists. Anyway, yeah, it's a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you for the. Sorry, it's a pleasure speaking with you, and thank you for the interview, and thanks so much. You bet. Thanks, Michael Mack. Thanks for trying the click to listen button. If anybody else wants to try that or click Damn. the talk button, you can check it out. Yeah. We'll, we'll chat with you. It worked great. Yeah. yeah. Sounded okay. pretty clear from this end. So. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. Uh, hey, Mo, can we ask your opinion on bootlegs, uh, you know, that are traded out there uh, for free? <laughs> right. What do you think? What's your opinion on it all? Like, are we talking about, like, bootlegs, like, bootleg con- con- like con- concerts and stuff like that? Or are we well, talking about, like, just people just downloading songs that are available on records and well, both both topics actually, which um, we can talk about uh, bootlegged concerts. Uh, what you think about that? Are well, you... I mean that's been going on ever since ever. You know that was going on back even before there was CDs. I was used to be able to go into a store and buy like vinyl bootlegs. You know, I, like it was just it was just ways for fans to get more of what they want. I don't think it ever affected anyone's record sales. I mean, certain artists might not have been happy about maybe some of their blemishes being revealed on these bootleg records and stuff like maybe they played a bad show it got recorded and people got to buy it but yeah i mean in terms of like the idea behind it like is just that people who loved you know whatever band it was todd or the grateful dead or cheap trick or whoever it is they just wanted to hear as much of them as they could hear and so they went out and bought these concerts records and stuff because they just wanted to hear more and more of their favorite artist music i don't think there's anything I don't know that there was ever anything really wrong with that um, philosophically. I mean, if, as an artist, I didn't. I wouldn't think there. I've, there's been tons of pursuit of happiness bootlegs out there, and it's like I'm sort of happy about it. It's like it's great that people get to hear these live shows, and maybe they were at the show and they get to remember it, or maybe they never got to see us live, and this is a chance for us, them to hear what we sounded like live. So, I mean, I think it's great in terms of like just the whole concept of downloading and so-called stealing music, and I mean, it's just like it just is what it is. I mean, it's just 
to me, the hard thing about it is like I always have this idea like if I buy a CD, I own it. I don't want to be told what I can do with it. I don't want to be told, oh, no, you can't you know, put it on a, on a compilation CD for your friend so your friend can check out you know, a song. Mm-hmm. Or I can't like email it to a friend and say, hey, you've got to check out this great new song. So it's just, it's just a weird thing. I mean, you know, people have made mixtapes ever since the cassette was invented. And, you know, and back then, they used to say home taping is killing music. But I don't know that it ever really did. It was probably, you know, that era was still a very fruitful uh, time for the music business. And, I mean, people used to, like, download, you know, I remember, you know, FM radio used to play records from beginning to end with no commercial interruption, just yeah, sure recorded off the radio. Mm-hmm. I remember that all the time, but it's like, I don't know that it ever really affected record sales. And it's just like, you know, I still think if people really like an artist, they'll go and buy their record. Yeah, they want to read it, and yeah. look, you know, touch it, feel it, all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah, and and and, and not, or they'll even go and buy it on iTunes. I mean, or they'll buy it like from like an on, you know, they'll buy it online or download it. Um, and and what and and if they don't, I you know, I don't really know what to say about that. I don't really know what anybody can do about it, except for try and find a way to sort of make it easy for people to pay for it. Yes. Make that, it easier than, than it is right now. Some people are doing that. There's a band, I'm not remembering for sure who it was. Radiohead. Radiohead. Well, there's one that does it after their show. Um, oh, yeah. Some guy. I think um, there's several out there. but They, they burn it. Uh, as soon as the show's over from the soundboard, they burn CDs and they sell them to you. Right. For like five bucks or whatever. Of that show. That's yeah. one way they can tap into it. And Andy Partridge, actually, from XTC, has been selling uh, old bootlegs that he has so that he can make money off of them instead of letting them float around without him getting a cut of them. Exactly, <laughs> And yeah. they've gone over very well. He said he's made like 100,000 pounds on them. Right. So, yeah, he's done pretty well with those. And That's the thing. There's a market for it. Some people want them. And, you know, we talked to Todd about it uh, about a week or so ago. And, you know, his his main issue was was sometimes you get these shows that aren't necessarily the good ones and you don't want that to be the example to somebody that never has heard you Right. I think that's what a typical show might be like, because everybody has an off night. Every band, every artist, sure. or, or something happens, you know. You swallow a bug. Yeah, there's a. They were at Oshkosh, and there's a, a, a bootleg of. I mean, a, literally, a bug gets into his mouth. There are bugs everywhere, and she has to stop in the middle of the song. <laughs> right. I think it was Courage, even wasn't it? Yeah. One of the rings. Yes, songs. it was. It was Courage. That's right. Yeah. So. Yeah, it, it's it's an interesting topic, but. There's no way to control it. That's the funny part. Some people think they can. It's RIAA and all that, and right. you know, it's, it's not going to do them any good. We just need they just need someone smarter than than the record companies to figure out how to make it work. And there's right. probably a way to make it work. I don't know that I necessarily know what it is, but mm-hmm. there's probably a way to make this work so well, that everybody's happy and everyone gets paid, and the consumer can still get what they want without you know having to spend too much money. And I think it could. I'm hoping that someone comes up with that, an idea soon. Huh? Yeah. There's uh, well, some new technology maybe that's not uh, CD-based, but then you still could do things down, download right. online, et cetera, into your heart. Some kind of subscription service or something. Yeah. Which is, you know, something Todd had talked about years ago, kind of like cable. You know, you just pay a certain amount. Yeah. And you get that from things like Napster. Yeah. Uh, they have those those programs. So it's, uh, but, you know, the the one thing you can't get sometimes are these, the bootlegs of the shows that aren't really official that people put out there. Right. Those are the tougher ones. As a matter of fact, yeah, that's the real value of this, though. I mean, you know, yeah. one of the things that when when sort of like these you know so-called illegal um, P to P sites started coming up was that 
you start to be able to get music that the record companies didn't want you to have. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, r- record companies routinely delete records, like, you know, dozens of them every day or week. And so there's all kinds of music that came up as amazing music that you can no longer go into a record store and buy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the only way you can get those things is trading on the Internet. And so for me, that was a really amazing thing, you know, I mean, I'm not one of those people that really does that. Like, I, I'm, like, you know, goes out and downloads music off the internet. But it's just like, to me, that would be the real value. It's like, there's old songs that I remember that, you know, I could never go and find it on a CD anywhere. And the, you know, the record company deleted the CD and record stores wouldn't put it in, even if they had it. So, to, and, you know, and it's the same thing with bootlegs, bootleg concerts. It's like, it's just music that you can't buy. I don't know why everybody gets bent out of shape about people being able to access music that no one wants to sell them anyway. Right. Well, exactly. You had to, I mean, you were requesting some of the bootlegs from, hopefully there's some out there from some of your earlier shows. And we were, we saw uh, Jesse Grass and Prairie Prince were involved with the Sgt. Pepper's 40th tribute deal they did. And Jesse was the musical director. And nobody recorded those shows officially. But uh, I was able to get my hands on a really good bootleg from one of the shows. And they definitely wanted it, so I burned it for them and gave it to them you know, yesterday. They they were very excited about having it and were hoping that there was one out there because they wanted to see how it sounded, you know, from right. the other side. So there, there's definitely some value in it, and it's for good memories for people. They just want to hear, you know, the show they were at, I guess. Right. So, all right, well, let's take a quick commercial break, and then we'll play a little bit of When Doves Cry because I want people to hear how you guys did that, how you covered it. And then Cruiser Mel is going to ask you her famous question for all the shows when we get back all right here we go hey everybody todd rungren's new album arena is out if you can't find it at your local record store click on rungren radio's little picture of arena and you'll be taken to amazon.com where you can buy it and it'll get to you in a couple of days be sure to check out todd's tour happening now right while iron top thanks for listening to rungrenradio.com
there it is, a little Prince action for you. Yeah, that was that was good. It's hot. Yeah, we we were li- we were listening to some of your stuff today in the car. We had a three or four hour drive uh, coming back from that show last night, and we were listening. I was like, "Oh my gosh, they did a Prince cover! Great, you did great." Oh well, thank you. It was yeah. fun. Did you guys ever do that live? We did all the time. Like we did it for years. Yeah, we did all the time. That was kind of the main reason why we ended up recording it for the record. Were you guys one of those bands that that did a lot of touring? Yeah, we did a lot. We we were on the road, especially like in the early days. Like we were on the road all the time, constantly. We just would go back and forth across America and Canada, and we went to Europe and went to Australia a bunch of times. So, yeah, we used to we used to be on the road all the time. Loved playing. We we loved it. Okay. Well, let me ask you um, on on those tours, and I know this is a silly question, so I'm going to preface it there. Uh, when you would be t- traveling with the band, how would you get your laundry done? How would we get our laundry done? Well, yeah, you know that was interesting. It was can could be a cha- could be challenging, but you know because we would work really hard, so days off were really sort of not that often, and and you almost always had to do it on a day off because, especially in the early days, what would happen is what we we do a show and then we get on the bus and we drive during the night and then we wake up in the the parking lot of the hotel of the next town we were playing in and like someone would knock on the door and drag you off and say well here you're going to do your interviews for your day and you spend the whole day doing interviews until you got to the sound check so it wasn't a lot of time to do it so yeah if you had a day off it's like everybody in the band would go and and try and find a laundromat i think there was a time briefly where there was Someone in the road crew actually would take our laundry to like a drop-off spot and, and get it done. But oh, that must have been after you made the big time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That would that would happen. I think that happened for a little while, and then that stopped. It was hard, and the hardest part was in Europe because when we were touring Europe, this was before like the euro happened, and so like you, every day you'd be somewhere where there was different money. So it's like trying to like collect enough change where you could do your laundry anywhere was that was probably the most challenging place to do laundry i know a lot of times you just end up like leaving it for the hotel and the hotel would do it uh-huh see these things are important mm-hmm. i have i have to know the answer to that question from everybody because i think that's that's really key to whether or not you can hang as a rock star yeah well you know you neatness counts <laughs> <laughs> she claims she's going to write a book about it that would be a funny book mm-hmm. she's got plenty of stories yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd read that book. Oh, people will buy anything. Especially uh, Andy Partridge's story about uh, the washer. Remember the washing machine? I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't get to listen to that show live. I didn't ask the question. Well, somebody did. He was. Anyway, it's uh, quite an interesting. And then, of course, Law Workman's answer about having a uh, sparkle <laughs> on his underwear. <laughs> Secret underwear. Anyway, I digress. All right. So did you get your laundry question done? You good? I, I'm good, yeah. Very good, very good. All right. Yeah. So I hope people enjoyed the song choice I made there with the When Doves Cry. And I wanted to play, let's see, we're gonna, we definitely want to play some uh, Pressing Lips because somebody requested that. Is that one of y'all's more popular songs, I guess, or is that just? do you think somebody just likes that one? I think someone probably just likes that one. Yeah, it's not. It wasn't. Uh, it was kind of like a, you know, I think it might have been too power pop, you know, at the time. Huh. It was. It, it was. Um, 
Yeah, I, I think it's a, a semi-popular song, but it wasn't like one of our most super, super popular songs. Okay. Well, let's play a little bit of that. And it's, um, I didn't have a fade on, so I'm just going to stop it after a while. But uh, <laughs> So this one will be abrupt. But here we go. This is Pressing Lips from The Pursuit of Happiness. sound I've been hearing from some of the other songs. <laughs> yeah, it was one of our more power pop moments, yeah. yeah. It was funny because for that record, um, I had been doing, I was actually doing a bit of writing with this guy named Jewel Shear, who actually, Todd produced a, record, a really good record for, for Jewel Shear, and, um, and, um, and, we and so we had lots of conversations about Todd, and actually that's another thing, another sort of Todd trivia thing was when Todd was producing our second record, he said, I, he said, he said, I want this to be the fastest production I've ever done. And right now, the record is Jewel Shear. That was the fastest record he'd ever produced before he worked on One Sided Story. But I think I don't think we still beat Jewel Shear. I think Jewel Shear is still the fastest record that Todd ever meant, ever, ever ever produced. But anyway, so Jewel has had told me said he said that that he said Pressing Lips is a song that should be a hit but won't be one. Yeah. I guess that was kind of a nice compliment. <laughs> and but you guys, anybody out there, if you haven't heard the Jules Shear record that Todd produced, you should hear it because it was a pretty cool record. Yeah, what, what's it called? Oh, gosh. <laughs> Somebody on the chat room will know. I'm, I'm elderly. I know yeah, do you know? One I don't know off the top of my head. Drink. It's no. just one of those amazing classic songs. It's called I the bet Long. EJ knows. Yeah. Jules Shear CD that Todd produced, hook us up. Well, I want to talk to you real quick about one that Todd did not produce for you guys because we were talking about Spinal Tap earlier, and this kind of makes me think about the title of it. What's the story behind the title? Where's the bone? Where's the bone was just um, it was a it was a rep, at, the main thing was as a reference to our our um, the the guy who had been a record sorry the um, the president of the record company when we first started his name was Mike Bone he was the president of the Chrysalis when we were there for our first two records and then he moved over to Mercury Records and so we moved with him to Mercury Records for our third record and so Where's the Bone was the first record we made without Mike Bone as our uh, as a record company president, so it's just one of those little inside jokes. It's not. Yeah, yeah. You might think it is. Too funny. Yeah. Where's the bone? Iron music. Okay. Very good. Um. Then you had the wonderful world of. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. Oh, she had yeah. some singles. Um. She's the devil. Yeah, yeah. She's the devil was the the single off that. 
that was like a we did that sort of as a record like all the songs ran into one another it was kind of like our uh, Wizard of True Star Wizard of True Star is coming up all the time tonight isn't it yeah it is <laughs> so, so it's like you know, yeah all the songs we, I sort of kind of envisioned it as that when, when it first started I thought that would be a fun thing to do like you know side two of Abbey Road and and Wizard of Two Star, like to have all the songs go into each other and sort of relate to each other and tell one big long story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it was semi successful at doing that, but not really. But but the, the problem with doing that, I found what I realized later is that a lot of the songs weren't like fully written because I was thinking about how we were going to get to the next song, you know. And so I didn't really necessarily finish writing that song <laughs> because I was just more concerned with how I was going to sort of like work in the grand texture of the entire record. So. Mm-hmm. A lot of those songs I don't really think of as like super great songs in and of themselves. I only think of that record as a song that you would listen to from the beginning to the end. Mm-hmm. When you listen to it from the beginning to the end, to me it sounds okay, but if you listen to any of the songs individually, I don't know. <laughs> 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 May not be. <laughs> yeah. There's a couple of them I really like, but I like that She's a Devil song. There's another one called Hate Engine, and I really like that one, but some of the other ones I'm not sure about. Hate Engine? Yeah, yeah. So, okay, yeah, we'll definitely rocking. check that out. That one of the songs is called "Whispering Your Name" by Jules is on that LP's worth of productions that Todd did. Yeah, so you that was that, that was on that record too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's a killer song. Yeah. Yeah, that was a really good CD. I don't know if it did very well. I was reading some stuff about when it came out in the Utopia, some of those Utopia times, and you know I don't know if it was a commercial success, but there's you know it's got the bourgeois tag. I don't mind. It's got you guys. It's got that's right. You know, Jules. It's really a good CD. Yeah, yeah, it was a great CD. Yeah. Of course, of uh, um, XTCs on there as well. Right. I meant to ask you. We were talking about you you're doing covers at live shows, and you said y'all did some ACDC stuff. Did you try to change your voice to sound like them? Todd's got a song called "Strike" on his new CD, where he, during parts of it, his voice sounds exactly, pretty much like the lead singer for ACDC, and I'm sure he did that on purpose. But did you guys do that, or did you stick with your? No, I actually got one of the girls in the band to sing it. <laughs> oh, did you really? <laughs> so I was like, I wasn't even going to try that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Good deal. Yeah. Was the title maybe that Jules Watchdog? That's it. That's, That's it? it? Yeah. Okay. Watchdog is the title of it. Watchdog. I knew there was dog in it. And I'll, <laughs> I kept thinking of that Let's Active record, Every Dog Has Its Day, and I couldn't get that out of my head. But, yeah, I knew the word dog was in it. Yeah. Yeah. So, very yeah. good. Yeah. Well, Mo, we've kept you for a long time, man, almost two hours. Oh, no, it's great talking to you guys. It's like, I mean, you asked me earlier, you know, how did you end up meeting all these people from the Utopia Times and Thompson? It's because it's essentially because I was one of them, you know? I yeah, was, exactly. That's kind of what I'm Okay, there's other people like me. There's other people who are, like, crazy, insane, Todd Rungan. There's a lot There's a lot of them. Yeah, yeah there definitely is. And uh, somebody real quick, they wanted me to ask you. We've got about a minute live, and then we're going to go into archives. They wanted me to ask you about Jill, um, I guess it's Sobule. Yeah, Jill Sobule, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they wanted to just wanted some comments from me about her. I, I've actually been trying to get her on a show, but um, they wanted to know, you know, something from you about her. Well, it was funny because when we went to do our second record, she was just finishing her record with Todd, mm-hmm. and so, um, um, and so she like uh, uh, Michelle Todd's Todd's wife had played us some of the stuff that they'd been working on. It's like. I was just blown away. I thought she was really, really great. I thought the stuff that they were doing was amazing. That record that Todd did with, with her, I thought was amazing. And then she came back to re-record a couple of vocals that she wasn't happy with or Todd wasn't happy with. I, I couldn't remember which. Hmm. So we met her a bit and talked to her and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm, I, was, I thought that record was just insanely good that, that Todd did. 
uh, I think it was called Things Here Are Different. Mm-hmm. And that song in particular, I thought was a really good song. And, and I think Todd was really, um, I think he really admired her as an artist, too. And, uh, but yeah, I, I wish something more. To, she ended up having success with uh, I Her name has come up recently in conversations because she she and she, she ended up having some success with with a song called I Kissed a Girl, <laughs> and and like you know and it was it was kind of a semi successful song and then all of a sudden this this girl Katy Perry's got this song called I Kissed a Girl practically the same song and now she's got this gigantic hit and just goes to show you maybe she was a little bit ahead of her time or something definitely yeah way ahead very good well Mo it's really enjoyable talking to you we really appreciate you being Thank on you. giving us so much time being generous with your time it was great. Yeah, no, great talking to you guys, and uh, and hi to all people out there in Rungren Radio, and uh, yeah, I'm I'm still a huge, gigantic Todd Rungren fan, and um, so it's great that this station exists. Love it, love it. Well, maybe we'll see you at some shows in the future. You bet. All right, good deal. Thanks a lot. Okay, take care, guys. Okay, bye-bye. Okay, bye. bye. All right, Cruiser Mel, another good show. I liked it. Oh, yeah. Love his accent. Yeah, Canadian, eh? He's probably thinking, hate their accent. <laughs> no, it wasn't really that strong a Canadian accent, I didn't think. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. great guy, big Todd fan, you got to love it. I'd, I'd love to go to Canada and go see a Todd show. Okay, they love him over there, no question about it. And I like Molson beer, so that'd be a good time. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. All right, so there you go, folks. This is our first webcast show. We hope you enjoyed watching us do a bunch of nothing. <laughs> this was maybe our only webcast show because I don't know that Cruiser Mail will ever be over here again. So sorry that Doug decided it was show and tell time. Yeah, well, you know, got to entertain the peeps. But maybe if uh, I go to a Dallas show and we can do one there, or maybe if you come to Birmingham and Todd ever comes back. Maybe know. we'll figure out how to do split screen. Yeah, maybe we could do that. Yeah. And I'll show off my dog and all of my Todd stuff. There you go. All right, everybody, that's another edition of Runner Radio. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with Ellen Foley, who was with Meatloaf originally. Mm-hmm. She is big time. She's been on Night Court, all kind of stuff. You do not want to miss that show. Tuesday nights, 830. That's where you'll find us, Eastern Time, all the time. RungrenRadio.com. Peace. Hi, everybody. This is Todd Rungren, and you're listening to RungrenRadio.com. You are the friend of the crown, my friend. Thank you so much for your support.